Hello and welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Over the many years I've been running a business, I've met many, many successful people, entrepreneurs, sports stars, celebrities, and dare I say, even royalty. So what makes a person successful? Do we know what success is? And the all-important question, can we create success for ourselves? This podcast series invites a diverse group of people to share their insights, their wisdom, and the things they've learned along the way. Now, most people wouldn't think to visit the doctor for their business struggles, but my next guest is someone who's here for just that reason. Wayne Washington is often described as the doctor of operations, for he is known for his skill in diagnosing ailing operations, prescribing a course of action, and serving as a mentor during implementation on that route and roadmap to success. With over three decades of managing operations in the trenches, so to speak, as well as being a professional speaker and running a business of his own, Wayne's view of operational excellence is radically different, dare I say, which is why I am incredibly excited to speak to the great, the mighty Wayne Washington, all the way from Indiana, Indiana, Illinois, the the central part of the US. It is a great pleasure uh, and indeed an honor to have you with us on the Sandro Forte podcast today, Mr. Wayne Washington. Sandro, you just swelled my head with that kind of introduction. Wow, but thank you very much. I'm I'm sure you can cope with it, Wayne. (laughs) Yes, I can cope with it. It's, it's, um, it's, it's good to be here, and, uh, and uh, I'm, I'm glad I have an opportunity to speak to, as I said before, someone with a lovely British accent, so I'm looking forward to our discussion. I guess you want me to introduce myself. I'd love that. I would. I, we'd love to know a little bit about where it all started and, and kind of where you've got to now, and then we'll explore all kinds of different things together. Well, I'm not going to take you back to my childhood, but you know, I think the thing in, in my childhood that gave me my start was math. I've always loved math. Um, and that led me to when I go to, to go to college, become an engineer. So I got an electrical engineering degree in a small school in Ohio. Coming out of college, I went to work for a number of different organizations, mainly as a project engineer, where I learned how to run projects you know, from start to finish. And you know, my goal was to get them on budget, on time, and to meet the expectations of the project. Uh, let me to finally led me to Evansville, Indiana here in 1980. And I started working for a company called Mead Johnson, which is a maker of a, a product called Infamil, baby formula. If you have babies and, and they aren't breastfeeding, most, most parents will be familiar with that. Well, I was, I was called the facility manager there. I had responsibility for all the buildings, all the infrastructure, uh, utilities. I had about a, a budget of about $18 million, uh, 54 employees, um, $5 million capital budget. So it was my responsibility to make sure the, the bricks and mortar, everything was there for infrastructure to make sure our product can be produced, our people had a place to stay and it was safe and, and clean. So, but back in 1997, I left there, left me Johnson and started my own company, a company called Facility Management Engineering, where basically the skills I did as a facility manager at Meet Johnson, I brought them into my own business. I could start doing them for other people. In other words, I, t- I was like a one-stop facility shop. I took care of your maintenance. I took care of your cleaning. I took care of your any telecommunications. Anything you needed from an infrastructure standpoint, I did that. Uh, then in 2002, roughly, I start, I wrote a program, a computerized program, to how to manage how to manage 
your business, your company process, excuse me, your company facilities with the Community Rights Program. I did that in 2002. It, back in 2002, it was a cloud-based system back then. So I was on the cloud way before the cloud base was available. And why I did that, while I was at Mead Johnson, I was responsible for transforming Mead Johnson from a paper and pencil maintenance management system into a computerized maintenance management system. So I got my experience with that. You know, we, we were some a team of 12 people we had for a, a year. That's all they're working on and we had that implemented. So that brings me forward to meet to FME, which is Facility Management Engineering. And to kind of bring it forward to grow company profits. And that's a company I started back in 2016. And why I started that? When you look at the concept of facilities, and you look at the concept of facilities management, you know, most, and I use, I use this term affectionately, bean counters do not respect facilities. They want to run it into the ground. They want to run it till it breaks. They don't want to put any investment into facilities. They just want to use it and not pay the price. It's almost like that Fram oil filter, pay me now, pay me later. And they wouldn't do that. So I realized that was not where my future, long-term future was going to be. And I felt I could take my concept of facilities and operations, particularly more from standpoint operations. Operation of brick and mortar is the same thing as operations for a marketing agency or a market for a, a, a professional services firm. You know, they have operations where they have projects and they also have day-to-day -day activities they have to work on. They have assets they have to manage. So take the concept from just from brick and mortar and move it over to what I call a project based environment. These are companies that have a, do a lot of projects for clients, but they also have day-to-day -day operations. They also have to manage their assets. So that's that's the kind of um, uh, more, more, me, the concept I've run into. So that takes me from math, love, a love of math in, 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 in grade school to where we are today. I still have a company facility management engineering. It's still operating. It's, it's, it's not my forte. It's not where I, it's not where I love spending my time, but you got to do what you got to do. I'm making, I've started making a transition into grow company profits because I love helping people. You know, I've been, I've been doing this for this over three decades and I have a four-year-old grandson and a two-year-old granddaughter and I want to start spending time with them, but I have so much information in my head. I want to pay it forward. You know, I, I hate to not leave what I know somehow. That's why I started doing podcasts. That's why I put together some information as far as templates and help my clients. So how can I take what I've done and pay it forward. So that's that's just a, a real synop short synopsis of me. Wow, I love how you talked about um, 1997, working for a company and then just started your own business like you were shelling peas, right? So <laughs> um, I, I'm going to talk to you about uh, that, that transition because a lot of people who listen to this podcast, Wayne, do really struggle. They've got a great idea, like you clearly had an idea. They recognize their strengths. They know what they want to do. They've got a clear vision, goals, objectives, but then making that step that feels really uncomfortable and really painful. They often stay where they are because it's just that little bit more comfortable than where they want to get to. So I'd be interested to get your take on, on that transition and, and how you managed to do that. What, was it just based on, you know, well, what's the worst that could happen? Is it based on the fact that you'd, you'd got enough information available to you from your previous experience? to give it a go? Did you see a big opportunity in the market? What was it that kind of took you across the line, so to speak? It was forced to make it, make it blunt. Uh, I lost my job uh, in, in 1997. And you kind of look yourself in a mirror and you say, do I go back and get another job and start all over again and proving myself to a new company? 
or do I take what I what I know and start a business? It just so happened within a week of me losing my job, a friend of mine lost his job uh, at another company. And on his way home, before he went to talk to his wife, he stopped at my house, we're commiserating together because we, we both lost our jobs. And we said, why don't we start a business? And we started a business called Facility Management Engineering. And within a week, we had our first customer. He was he had some friends who were in construction. So we got our first customer within two weeks and we never looked back. We've had, we've been profitable ever since then. So I would have to say that was fortunate because I didn't have to, we didn't have to invest a lot of money. I think both of us put up $500 to, to get the business started and it grew from there. Uh, so I'd have to say being in the right place at the right time was what, what caused that. I think the thing that to kind of go along that, that same, that same uh, vein of thought, train of thought, Sandro, is this time last year, almost basically almost a year ago, my major customer, facility customer, I lost that customer. You know, it's obviously COVID related. And to lose a significant piece of your income, you have to sit and, and look at yourself in the mirror and say, do I stay where I am and exist? Or do I pick up the pieces and excel? And I obviously chose the latter. So a lot, a lot of it for me, and I think most people are going to realize, it's going to come down to your mindset. You got to make a choice. If you I mean, if you stay still, nothing ventured, nothing gained. And I'm I, I'm not going to say I'm a big risk taker, but I know status quo doesn't get you successful. So my goal, my thing, let's step out there. I'm a, I'm a Christian. I have faith in God. Step out there, believe in God, and let it happen. Good for you. I, I'm uh, I have a number of nicknames, none of which are very complimentary. So I won't I won't repeat any of them. <laughs> But you have a nickname. First time I've ever come across anything like this. Where did you get the nickname Doctor of Operations from? Well, I guess because I've helped a lot of people solve their issues. And, and to be honest, I gave it to myself because of the results I'm, I'm, I'm doing. And because I, you know, I, I realized I can help you diagnose a situation in your operations. I've seen enough operations uh, that are good, bad, and different. I can diagnose what's going on. I can prescribe a course of treatment for if this is the issue, here's some of the things you might try. And then the third thing, I can help you implement that so we can make that treatment effective. When I sit back and look at those three concepts, it's what a doctor does. Every time we go to the doctor, we have a, what's your symptoms? Uh, and then he does some tests and then he gives you some treatment. And I said, that is what I do. And I think that's a good way to put an analogy to describe what I do from a standpoint of operations, because most companies, operations is an afterthought. You know, they consider it last and it's strategy first and people second. Oh, I got time for operations. And usually that's the root of the problem. Excellently said. Um, I uh, we, we do quite a lot of research into our guests. Is, okay. we, leave, we leave no stone unturned. All right. Um, <laughs> and one thing that I, I I come across frequently whenever I I look at the stuff that you've produced that you know on websites and social media and various other things, the the three words I hear most frequently from you, Wayne, is manpower, materials, and management. How how can someone use these three things effectively? Maybe you could give us an insight into what you mean by those those three particular words. And I think the best way to try to explain that is let's talk about business 101, okay? Our role as, a, as in a business is to take our resources and use those resources to maximize the value of our assets and over the long term. 
what are our resources? Our resources are manpower, materials, money, and management. Those four resources are what you do. You use those resources to maximize the value of your assets, people, processes, places, and purchases. So when I look at those, those it's really four terms. I mean, manpower, money, management, and materials. When I, when I look at those four things, if if you're not utilizing your resources effectively, you are leaving money on the table each and every day. That's why I talk about that so much, because most people have no clue how the resource, you know, you know I look at resources, I, I track resources like I track my checkbook. It's transactions. How do you make sure you're looking at your resources and doing your resources as transactions? Manpower, what are you using my manpower on? Did I get value at or not? Materials, what did I use my materials on? Did I get value or not? Management. When I talk about management, knowledge, skills, and ability. Do my people have the skills they need to do what they need to do? Do I need to develop those skills? And money. Do we have the cash for the money to do what we need to do right now? So when you look at all four of those, those components of resources, resource utilization to me is the key, the foundation for business growth. Unless you have good resource utilization, that money you're losing is money that's being robbed from your bottom line. I call it stolen from your bottom line. So I hope that puts it in context how important I feel resources are. And those three terms, which you just identified, are key. Fantastic. And, and very articulately answered that question. Now, uh, Wayne, I'm going to let you into a little secret. Okay. We have uh, many, many listeners from around the world. And the one question that we get asked by email more often by some distance than any other is, I'm really struggling with my weight. And I would love to hear the words of wisdom from a guest who, who can help me to transition from where I am right now, which I'm not very happy with myself. I've put on far too many pounds or kilos and, and I kind of need to take care of myself, lose weight, get more healthy, fit, whatever. Uh, you know, I, I go to the gym for two weeks, it doesn't last. I, I start on a diet, it, 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 it ends quickly. Now, Something that everyone listening will not know about you, Wayne, is that I think I'm right in saying you lost 230 pounds in 11 months. Is that correct? That is correct. Now, let me try and work out what 230 pounds is in. Now, obviously, to the Americans, they will know what that is, but the Brits won't know what that is necessarily. But that is not far off. It's about 17 stone off the top of my head. It's a it's a lot. It's a it's a massive amount of weight. Um, to put that into perspective, I am 11 and a half stone. So um, it's it's me and a half, basically. <laughs> uh, and you did that in 11 months. How on earth did you do it? What helped to get you to that goal? Uh, it, it's again, it was, a, in my mind, a forced situation. Let me let me just kind of take what I mean. Uh, back in 2002, 2003, I had uh, knee replacements um, and because, you know, you, you have that much weight on you, it, wear, it wears the knees out. I had to replace, and then back in 2011, they started hurting again. And I went to the doctor to find out what was going on. And he says, Wayne, you're just going to have to lose some weight. And Sandro, when he said that, the vision that immediately popped into my mind was riding in one of those scooters. And that was for me, I'm not, I'm not having anything against people in scooters, but that was the most disgusting, distasteful thing for me to look at the rest of my, live the rest of my life that way. And that very next day, I, I, I started and 11 months later, I, I got the results. And so 
it was a catalyst. And, and when I do speaking now, now uh, that's usually the topic of my speeches are, what's your scooter? You know, we get so used to living with the pain that we have, we're not willing to accept the pain it's going to take to, to make that transition. Well, I got sick and tired of that pain I had. And I had to say, I'm going to take that pain for the transition and make it work. Because every day during those 11 months, when I felt like quitting or I felt like not doing it, I thought of that scooter. And I thought of that scooter. And the alternate of the scooter was so bad for me, I kept going. I kept going. I kept going. Uh, so that, that's that's how it's helped. Now, going take it on the other way, you know, the pandemic and shut-in was not very good for me. So I picked some weight back up, and I just started last week I, I, back on the same program. And the program I was on, I was, was assisted by a doctor. Um, I, he, she had me on a 800-calorie-a-day, low-carbohydrate diet, uh, and on no medication, and exercise. And for 11 months, uh, seven days a week, I exercise, uh, 45 minutes of swimming every day of aerobic exercise, really, 800 calories. I wasn't hungry. I, I, I wasn't, you know, it, it was just, it was, it was worth it. It was not painful. So I know a lot of people think, oh, I can't do that. But if that scooter is big enough, you could do anything. I think that's a brilliant analogy. And I'm, I'm smiling to myself because I guess Wayne Washington's tip for losing weight, folks, is just imagine yourself in a scooter going around <laughs> Disney World with Mickey Mouse ears on. <laughs> um, but well, well done to you, sir. That is um, that is quite an astonishing achievement. And of course, having been there before, uh, no doubt you can get there again. Yes. Um, what what skills? And, and I'm asking you to be slightly immodest now. Uh, and you don't you don't strike me as that kind of person at all. But just just allowing yourself a bit of freedom for a second. What, what skills and qualities do you think you have? And you've already touched on one, which is this fierce determination to get the job done um, through, you know, visual realization, I guess, uh, to, to um, summarize what you just said. What do you think of the skills and qualities that set you apart that have enabled you to achieve what you've achieved in life mm -hmm. and business? Mm -hmm. I, I think a lot of it comes down to the, the engineering background, Sandro. You know, as an engineer, you're taught to think logically. And once you have ability to think logically, you know, I, I feel like I put steps together. But I think the biggest thing from, from my perspective, from, from a, a, a skill that I feel I've been blessed with, is to visualize. I could take a concept, an abstract concept, and break it down to from the abstract concept and implement it to make it happen. In other words, step one, step two, step three. And a lot of it comes back to, uh, I think there's a book by Stephen Covey, uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. His second step is begin with the end in mind. So, right, so you start the end in mind and you kind of work yourself backwards. So having that ability to take a visual a concept and visualize it, not only visualize it, Sandro, but break it down so the average person can understand it. When I'm doing work in my business from a standpoint of, of my, my facility manager company, I'm dealing with maintenance people. I'm dealing with janitors. You know, I can't be talking jargon and using all these little words to, to them. I got to break it down to A, B, C to what they're able to do. So I think the thing to be able to take this a concept and like strategy, culture, and operations, how do you take those concepts and break it down? So your janitors, your secretaries, and so forth can, can understand it and buy into it. So that, that's uh, one of the things. 
I think the second thing that um, that really comes into play, and uh, again goes back to the engineering background, uh, I think it's a, a quote by I can't remember if it's Peter Drucker or the, uh, the, um, somebody. If you can't measure it, you can't manage it. So I have to have. How do you put a measure to whatever you're doing? So when you measure it, you can control it on an ongoing basis, and that's that's one of the. the I'm going to say pet peeves, but it is a pet peeve. When I look at the business community today, all we look at is our profit and loss statement, which is like running your business, looking in their rear view mirror, instead of, which is a lagging indicator. How do we look at leading indicators? That's why I'm so big on resources. If you look at your resources and manage your resources or track your resources in real time, you can measure them and therefore you can manage them. So, I mean, that's, you asked me what are some of the things I, I think my, my skills are, is that ability to visualize, take a visualization concept and implement it, but also what are the keys you have to do to measure as you go along, to make sure you're knowing you're succeeding as you're going, instead of waiting to get done and then finding out after the fact. I, I, we, we can't let you go today because of your incredible experience in, in uh, managing operations uh, without asking you about where businesses go wrong, Wayne. So, you know, this, uh, I'll use the word misalignment. So, you know, often we see, uh, you know, we'll call them staff or, or team members, kind of almost heading in one direction, leadership heading in another. Fundamentally, the business is sound, but everyone kind of seems to be doing a different thing, pointing in a different direction, and, and things inevitably go wrong. What are, what, are the, what are the common mistakes you see businesses making and how do they fix them? Okay. And you're going to hear me come back to that word resources again, but let me, let me, let's just talk about it. All right. Every business, there's three core pillars that you run your business on. Your strategy, which is where we're going. Your culture, which is who we are. And your, your operations, which is how we're going to do that. All three of those three pillars, think, think, of, think for a second of a Venn diagram. And in that Venn diagram, strategy is one circle, uh, culture is another circle, and operation is in, in a third circle. Where those circles interact in the middle is what I call the sweet spot, and that's where you're operating excellently. If you're operating in any one of those other six quadrants, you're out of alignment. And what happens when you're out of alignment? Three things typically happen, and you brought one up already. Number one, you have disengaged employees. Number two, you have unnecessary complexity. And number three, you have hidden costs. All three of those things are symptoms of a misaligned organization. So you, what, what I find where most people do, they try to fix the symptoms. They try to take care of the disengaged employees. They try to be harder in operations and, and, and get more tighter cost reductions. Or they try to have some kumbaya strategy meeting for, for your culture. You cannot look at your business as, a, as, as individual discrete components. You have to solve that problem holistically. And why? Because they all share the same resources. You know, so if you, you got to fix your resource issues within your business, fix your resources, utilize your resources effectively, you're not going to be you're not going to be uh, misaligned. All your all your inf your strategy, culture, and operation will be in alignment. You'll be using your resources such that the right resource is at the right place at the right time for the right reason. And when a company can say that, they will year after year sustain growth, profitable growth, and use that growth to fund the, the, the growth, the manager growth as, as time goes on. 
Wayne, another thing I've heard you talk about in the past is this whole concept of quality versus quantity, you know, and, and in an ever-changing world with all the pressures that it brings, uh, we talk about work-life balance, we talk about, you know, the stuff that we feel that we have to give up in order to achieve greater success, and then mm -hmm. we justify it by saying we're doing it for our families, and I heard myself doing, doing the very same thing many years ago. Um, businesses seem to adopt this notion that you know, working really hard, crazy hours um, it is the key to success. You, you, I guess you would argue that it's much more about quality and the use of time in an effective manner. Would that be fair? And, and what, are the thing, what are the things that you're seeing in, in the world? Or, or do, you, do you hold the opposite view? No, I, I guess as you're as you're saying saying uh, putting that 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 vision of what you're saying out there, Sandro, the word that went to my mind was BS. You know, you know, working harder does not. What's that mean? I mean, you're working harder. Who are you doing it for? I mean, if you're not getting results, what does working hard do? So to me, the concept is how do you work smarter? One of the things that, and, and I'm gonna go back to uh, again something I learned years ago when I left me Johnson and started my own business uh, to get started. One of the things I did was went to is a, 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 a group called SCORE. It's a government organization that helps small businesses get started. And one of the, per, one of the books that a person in there recommended was a book called The E-Myth Revisited by a guy named Michael Gerber. And what that book talks about is you know, build systems. You write, you do systems and train people to run your system, let your systems run your business. So I think what most companies do, they start they start their company and they keep on building their company shooting from the hip. I mean, they're using their intuition, they're using their insight, they're using their experience to grow their companies. And as, as they bring new people on board, it takes a long time for them to get up to speed because they don't have a system to teach them into. They don't, they don't have a, a process to help them do their work. So build the systems. Teach your people the systems and let that let that run the business. And why why I say that to kind of go back to what you're saying? You talk about work life balance. I don't work eighty hour weeks. I don't work sixty hour weeks. You know, I just don't because if I have the systems, if you have the systems and you have the right, I told you I'd love to find out what are the right things to manage. You have the systems and you have the right dashboard, and you're looking at you're, you're looking at what's going on in real time. You know where you have to put your time. In other words, you manage by exceptions. Most things are going to run within a steady state within a certain range. As long as it's running within that range, fine. But when things go out of that range and go above a, a top norm or below a bottom below a norm, then you act. You know, I'm not. I'm, I don't like making numbers or getting reports from people just for the sake of getting reports and seeing this number because we always did that. That number has to mean something only measure what matters. So that makes life a lot easier. And that's a longer answer to your question, but to get that quality of life, how do you make sure the, the business can run itself with the systems that you have? And over time, you're tweaking those systems, but get the systems, processes, and procedures in place first. Wayne, there will be lots of business owners uh, frantically searching for you on Google now <laughs> because you've uh, come up with lots of answers to lots of their questions. Um, Let's make it nice and easy for them. How do they how do they get in touch with you? How do they find out more about you? Website, uh, you know, social media presence, anything like okay. that. The, the, the website is is the uh, is the best way to, to do to do that. Uh, the website is growcompanyprofits.com. www.growcompanyprofits.com. I can be reached at Wayne at growcompanyprofits.com. Uh, I do have a, a LinkedIn profile. 
But um, let me just offer one other thing uh, that that's available for your your guests should they choose to use that. You know, I talked about the alignment of strategy, culture, and operations, and we've developed developed an assessment tool that helps owners get a feel for where they stand. Remember, I talked about those through that Venn diagram, and if you're in that sweet spot, if you're not in the sweet spot, you're out of alignment. Well, we have a tool that can help a client, a company rather, assess where they are. Are they in the sweet spot or not? And if they go to a, a website called www.alignmentanalyzer.com, it's a, a free tool. It's, it, you'll see me talking and I'll walk you through a series of steps. It's about, I think, 30 or 40 questions. And all, all we're trying to do when we do that is how do your leadership team's behaviors, actions, and decisions Compare with the leadership team, that's operating excellent team, those in the sweet spot, how do those behaviors, action, decisions of your company compare to those who are doing it right? And once you know that gap, you, can ha you have a starting point of what you can fix in there. So again, that's a tool. If any of your, your listeners want to use, they're more than welcome to do that. But the best way is go to the website. If you want to call me, have a phone number on there or whatever. But I, I like helping people. I like doing what I've been doing for the last 30 years. And okay, I'm not going to be doing it much longer. So I love to get some of this knowledge out of my head and other people's and other people's systems and businesses. By what, what I'm hearing is buy Wayne Washington now while stocks last, right? <laughs> uh, and uh, and I would love to speak with you offline. Uh, maybe you could spend some time telling me what the heck a Venn diagram is, because I spent five years at school uh, <laughs> learning about these things, and I still don't know what they are. Um, in all seriousness, the final question, since we've run out of time, sadly, uh, if if you know, one of your grandkids came up to you and said, granddaddy, uh, give me one bit of advice. You know, all of those other amazing things you've learned, all encapsulated in one single piece of advice that transcends all others. What would that one rule for living be, Wayne, above anything else? Enjoy life. I mean, I, I, and, and how, do, how do you enjoy life? You know, and I do have a great work life and, and a home balance. Um, I work hard, but I play harder. I love having fun. I love creating memories. And that's what I would tell people to do. You know, fine, work hard, do what you got to do to get the business going, feed your family, but take some time to enjoy life. Sit back. I mean, we have a, a camper. My girlfriend and I have a camper. And just sit on a riverbank and listen to the crickets, the birds, the bees, and just watching nature. That's enjoyable. Now, I love to cook. I, I love to cook for 20, 30 people. And that's enjoyable for me. So, what do you do in life that you enjoy? Do more of it when you're not working. I love that. That's a great answer. It might even be the first podcast guest that's ever talked about enjoying life. So that's a, that's a lovely answer to end a, a fabulous podcast. Wayne Washington, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, you will have lifted the spirits of many people and, of course, um, served them with some great insights into improving profitability, that work-life balance that you speak of, and, and some of those other um, musings of, of life and business and, and success therein. So thank you once again for finding the time. I know you're a busy man, despite the fact you've got that work-life balance going really well, but um, it has been a joy speaking to you. Um, thank you so much for sharing so openly with, with so many people from uh, around the world and hopefully lots of people will be in touch with you. 
I look forward to anyone who wants to talk to me, but I really enjoyed our conversation. I, as I'm sitting here listening to you, and those who don't know, we have a, a Zoom meeting going at the same time, and to watch this lovely smile on this man's face, and just he sees so comfortable, he's sitting in his living room with his, with his, his, his big window in back of him, he looks comfortable. So I've enjoyed being here, I've enjoyed interacting with you, and I hope we talk again. Thank you, Wayne. And to all of you from all around the world joining us on the Sandro Forte podcast and, of course, the wonderful Wayne Washington, thank you again for uh, for participating, but also for your, uh, well, for longevity, three years on. So um, your um, your commitment to the cause is much appreciated. And, of course, we will keep going for as long as this is popular. So next week we'll have another guest joining us on the Sandro Forte podcast. If you've got any questions for Wayne, you can connect with him directly or you can email us at hello at sandrospodcast.com. Remember all the social media channels that we feature on. Listen out for Wayne on Spotify and iTunes. Connect with me. It's at Sandro Fortin Twitter and the real Sandro Fortin Instagram. Until this time next week and another fantastic guest, it's goodbye for now. 